0: Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Caleb Zacharin, Assistant Editor of the New Books Network. Today I'm speaking with Christopher Lazarsky, Professor of Politics and History at Lazarsky University, about his new book, Lord Acton for Our Time. Almost everyone is familiar with Lord Acton's most famous quote, Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. In Lord Acton for Our Time, Christopher reintroduces modern readers to Acton's ideas especially his theories of liberalism. Christopher, thank you for joining me today on the New Books Network. Thank you for
1: having me here.
0: Of course. Uh, you know Lord Acton is, is a really fascinating figure, but he's also one that I don't think a lot of uh, modern readers are familiar with, uh, though he, he's had so much influence on, on many thinkers that people are familiar with. Uh, but before going into the book, I was wondering if you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background.
1: Well, since you introduced me already, I'm <clears throat> professor of politics and history, so <clears throat> I will go directly to my background. Uh, well, um, I did my uh, master, uh, master uh, uh, major on uh, Greek-Roman history, which at the time I did not expect, but uh, certainly helped me to focus and understand uh, Acton and um uh, i uh, well um my college years <coughs> coincided with uh, um communist poland and uh, in uh, during that time i became involved in uh, anti uh, communist uh, opposition i was uh, an underground publisher so <clears throat> in a sense um uh, at that time i I um, I thought a lot and discussed a lot with my uh, colleagues about liberty, what it means, why some nations enjoy freedom and some may not. At that time, we were unhappy to be among those uh, latter uh, cases. And uh, in a sense, although I, I haven't heard about Acton at that time, I, uh, I, I I was prepared to be open to him, Uh, and uh, uh, if I may continue, I, well, uh, in December 1981, Martial Law was introduced in Poland, and uh, then I ended up in prison, as many thousands of uh, Solidarity activists. But again, unexpectedly, owing to that, uh, that unpleasant occurrence I uh, I could leave Poland uh, 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 having American visa refugee visa and being legally in the United States and sp- spent in the United States next uh, twelve years. This is how I became. Uh, so, on, but because in 1985 I became the PhD student at Georgetown University, where I major in Russian and Soviet history, that has nothing to do with Acton. At that time, I was more interested in history of those uh, who occupied Poland and. <clears throat> But, but uh, in a sense, if you, again, ask, ask me about back, uh, my background, I can trace my interest to Acton to, to, to Georgetown. I was really lucky to um, have among my, my teachers uh, uh, Father Professor James Shaw um uh, he uh, i took his course on political theory and i remember specifically one class devoted to acton he then asked us to read several of his essays and this guy instantly fascinated me i couldn't understand him but uh, but but you know uh, i i sensed that this is this is a man uh, that that that, that that has some some important uh, uh, thoughts on on liberty. How did you come
0: to write this particular book?
1: Well, um, this particular book is uh, <clears throat> not the, the first one I wrote on 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 Acton. Uh, um, in fact, I wrote three books on Acton. This is my third book. Two of them are in English. Were in English. Were in English. Uh, and again i would say that uh, that father Shaw played played some role i i remember a discussion i had with him a uh, long time after i have graduated <clears throat> i met him in 2001 and at that time i uh, i was really living the, the soviet studies and uh, focus more, uh, more and more on political theory. And I asked him uh, whether Acton is really uh, worthy of, of, uh, of focusing and uh, Schultz definitely do it. <clears throat> and that, that resulted in my first book that I, I, I published in 2012. Uh, uh, and uh, this one, well, <clears throat> uh, this one is a much more mature book. Okay, I I tend to tell you the truth when I when I uh, Acton is a very complex uh, thinker. His thought is not easy to grasp, and it took me many years to understand him. Whether I'm right or not in his interpretation, that's another story. But I interpreted him in certain ways. Though still, ten years ago, I was not sure, or uh, I. I probed certain things. I put certain theses uh, about him. And uh, well, I did not encounter a a, a protest uh, as far as as my interpretation of uh, of Acton. And this one was just uh, this book. Well, it was a proposal to write on On acton for our time i mean and uh, and i thought that that would be a nice uh uh completion uh, when when i have no longer doubts but in a sense i can state certain things in more clear way and uh, and be be more uh uh, open about it
0: and this book is, is a good introduction to acton as well you you cover the overview of his ideas but also his biography Uh, for listeners would you tell us a little bit about lord acton's youth and young adulthood
1: okay Uh, well acton when we when we hear the term uh, lord we think that well someone is born with a silver spoon and uh, in his mouth and uh, uh, has life uh, uh, easy uh, everything is given to him Uh, this is not the case of Lord Acton. He died, uh, sorry, his father died when he was three years old. Um, his mother remarried and was solely devoted to uh, her new husband, so he left three years old uh, future Lord Acton in the care of her Italian grandmother. He came from a cosmopolitan background, you know. He has uh, well, uh relatives in, in, in France, uh, Germany, um, Italy, uh, actually Father Schultz introduced uh, him to me as saying that he's a German, which uh, I disagree actually he's not a German but, but certainly he had a German a German blood in himself. So <clears throat> he was um, without uh, parental care especially mother's care, you know, that uh, uh, his youth was not very nice, I would say. Uh, He spent, when he was uh, six or so, I don't remember uh, right now, maybe seven, he was sent to boarding school, first in France, then in, in England, then they changed the school. Of course, <clears throat> uh, his mother paid for everything so you could say she did her job but uh but he, his letters to her at that time are really uh heartbreaking you know that when he year i mean he begs her take me out uh, uh, and, uh and take me out from here anyway uh his at more mature years, when he became uh, a college student, although college students should be put in quotation marks, uh, he studied at the University of Munich, but in fact, he was under the care of Father Dollinger. So he had a private tutor. He t- just took two courses at, at the University of Munich. And that, but but in, 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 in Munich, he found finally a, a family life you know he had relatives uh, uh, German relatives from Arco Valley and uh, and they this was a family uh, if I'm not mistaken right now having uh, seven uh, seven children and so they treated him as one of of their own and he finally you know uh, found a family life. His life was childhood and early. Adulthood was not, not very pleasant. Difficult, I would say. Oh, one thing, he why he why he ended up in Munich, he was not admitted to Oxford and Cambridge because he was Catholic.
0: So in his more adult mature life, how, how were his ideas and, and work received? Uh, How do they develop, you know, what was his general, how would you define the general scope of his adulthood before we get into his ideas?
1: From the beginning, you know, he had sort of uh, achieved a liberal education. He had, uh, I mean, he was lucky actually having Dollinger, Father Dollinger. He was a Catholic priest um, who really took care about his uh, education well, I'm not sure. You know, I <laughs> I prefer myself to have few students instead of one, but perhaps you know, if you, if you focus on one student, that's that's another story. Uh, and um, uh, Dollinger was uh, well a German, um, so he organized his life starting from you know six o'clock in the morning and going to sleep at uh, ten or eleven uh, p.m. Everything was by, 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 uh, you know, every half an hour or, or an hour, he was supposed to do this, this, and this. Very strict <clears throat> uh, schooling. And um, <clears throat> Dollinger uh, introduced him to really gra- grand masters of liberal thought, uh, but specific liberal thought first. Uh, lo- uh, uh, ale- uh, um, Alexis de Tocqueville and uh, Edmund Burke. So, uh, this made uh, uh, Acton to be a specific liberal, not a typical liberal, specific liberal. That is the one that values tradition, and uh, this is more uh, sort of the in- impact of, of Burke uh, doesn't like... Uh, Abstract principles, such as uh, you know, well, uh, since everyone everyone is born equal, um, we're supposed to enforce equality regardless of the cost. He hated abstract principles.
0: And once Acton was starting to get a little older, aging. Was he? Did he become famous in his lifetime, or was he uh, more of a? A someone that, that was discovered later.
1: Well, um, <clears throat> I should add that uh, you know, in Minich, uh he became very enthusiastic about Catholic teaching. So uh, his uh, idea, um, his main idea at that time was to to reconcile the Catholic Church with liberalism, which is, I mean. Um, uh, this this idea made made no sense at all if one uh, one uh, uh, knew uh, knows uh, uh, what was the church like at that time and what was the liberal mainstream at that time. Somehow, Acton thought that this is this is his mission. Uh, remember, uh, let us uh, remember that he was a Catholic in England, and nineteenth uh, century England. Still until the 70s of the 19th century, had many anti-Catholic laws that uh, that prevented Catholics from holding offices, and uh, <clears throat> that, if, that that was one of the reasons he ended up uh, studying in Munich. Uh, and uh, but but Acton, and that we we touch uh, another problem, was a different kind of liberal. Uh, he was not a liberal of uh, what we understand right now as a typical liberal. Uh, in one of the advantages I had, or, or what Acton taught me, and I was not aware before I encountered him, is that uh, in 19th century, there were two liberal liberalisms, not just one and that he represented one current that at that time, who knows, uh, perhaps was the mainstream, but this is that current of liberalism that lost and is no longer considered to be liberalism or to be liberal. And uh, um, uh, perhaps this explains Uh, justifies why he thought that the true liberalism, which has respect for tradition, could uh, uh, easily reconcile liberalism with Catholicism.
0: How would you broadly then go about defining Acton's understanding of liberalism as a liberalism that has respect for tradition, as a conservative liberalism? uh, what, What type of liberalism does he represent and why was he so why did he latch on still hold on to this term liberalism
1: why why he kept that that term and did not invade anyone else i don't know that's that's something which is puzzling because i can't imagine i mean this is a mystery which i did not resolve uh the guy had a brilliant mind really brilliant mind i mean imagine he studied one book a day and this was not just easy reading, but he wrote notes, and he had a really excellent memory. So uh, we can we can think that uh, throughout his lifetime, he read 60, 70,000 uh, books, not just read as we read novels, but read uh, history books. Uh, so his knowledge was enormous. I mean, this is this is this this is one of the reasons This is uh, when when uh, I I did not address this question, but when we when you asked uh, earlier in in this interview why I focus on Acton, um, I have no chance to read so many books as he as he did. Um, my uh, knowledge is secondary. I, I I just take advantage of what he did. Uh, I of course treat him as a genuine thinker. I don't think he he uh, uh, attempted to de- deceive us he was a really honest man and uh, he was trying his best to pass on his knowledge to us now what kind of li- what kind of liberal he was he was as he describes himself ardent liberal i mean he wrote in one of his letters to um well, it doesn't matter really. Uh, the person that was a, his female, uh, female uh, uh, recipient, that uh, he treats liberalism as a religion. Um, he associated liberalism with the best in human history, or whatever whatever we associate with progress, what is positive, just um, this is this this was this was his liberalism so as he said it's his conf- it, it's his uh faith and uh, um uh he hated conservatism that's a that's an interesting thing it's a funny thing when when and i, I hesitated in my first book in my the current one we discuss i avoided the topic at all uh, in general that that um I interpret him as a conservative liberal uh although I, I I realize he would he would have hated that you know that 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 would insult him uh, that that he was a conservative conservatism is a, was a, was for him a, an expletive you know that, that, uh, someone who is stupid mm. uh he sometimes uses that term stupid conservative stupid Tory um, so, uh, this is puzzling, but I guess, I mean, let us remember he lived in, uh, uh, Victorian uh, England, uh, liberalism was uh, triumphing and, and, uh, well, he considered himself to be one of those guys who shapes it. Uh, he was. The the, 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 the the thing which I put in my in my book is that no one no one questioned his liberalism I mean the guy attacked liberalism at its core its fundamental principles but there was no voice at least I know of which would say look Lord Acton you are not liberal because you question certain fundamental, Principles that belong to liberal dogma. No, uh, all all said he was quintessential liberal. You know, so um, well, I take this at his face value. He was liberal, yet he was a different liberal, and and that's that's. Um, if I may continue. Uh, this liberalism is completely different and I mean this this, this was the problem which I really wrestled uh, during my first book because I was uh, so uncertain my, of myself but then I discovered there are two liberalism that is one which is continental that can be traced to Franco-German uh philosophical pol- politi- political thought that uh, appeals to, Abstract principles, you know, that goes back to something which, by the way, the 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 English invented. Hobbes uh, stating, you know, uh, state of nation, uh, state of nature. Uh, then we are free and equal, but. Uh, Somehow, this idea was flourished more on the continent, or they could, they did not eclipse what existed in on on in in uh, in the UK and especially in America. That is liberalism of which Acton uh, uh, talked. That is liberalism which has roots in existing order. England and America, especially America. England would have to be explained additionally, but in in America there was no question that that the colonists who came to America were equal. Yes, there were there were those in uh, servants who were paid and had temporary advantages, but ultimately all white settlers who belonged to any parish were treated as equal and participated in decision making first in the parish then on uh, in 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 the town county level and that grew you know there the, are like concentric circles um parish county uh, town county colony and ultimately the uh, union so um uh, this was a grassroots liberalism where people were equal and free and they decided about their uh, fortune uh, in england that was a little bit more complicated because they have this medieval roots therefore englishmen was was this is something which i discovered in spite of you know, I did my P, my master's and then PhD at Georgetown. No one told me, Acton told me that actually throughout the Middle Ages and early modern age, uh, the rights of Englishmen, the rights of Frenchmen, the rights of Dutchmen included those who were considered to be citizens, which were very narrow group. In England, by the end of 19, uh, sorry 18th century, that was about 3% of the population. They were citizens, okay. Still, they, 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 they had, they had their uh, right to elect a parliament. In the United States, uh, suffrage was much more common, uh, widespread. Uh, well, in 19th century, it embraced roughly about 80 percent of the population. That's that's really. I mean, male population, of course. That 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 was a wide much widespread. And this is what Acton says. This is liberalism, having grassroots um, originates in a given polity, England, uh, uh, United States. But he traced it to antiquity. I don't want how much you want to go to history, but but I can explain that if you if you if you are interested in it. Anyway. So, this is, this is li- different liberalism, which, which we could call it uh, by the term uh, which uh, von Hayek used, that is evolutionary, and which I call it uh, organic. Why organic? Because uh, Acton uses, uses metaphors that are clearly organic, saying that liberty grows like a language, or grows like a tree, like a flower. So it's an organic growth, starts from uh, original roots. Uh, of course, they have to have certain uh, basic principles like equality. And that is why he traces liberalism, the roots of liberalism to Israel and or ancient Greece. Israelites, ancient Israelites were equal because they were brothers and sisters, yes? They belonged to the same tribe. They did not elect their authorities, but their authority was organic. The elders uh, were the ones who uh, had power. It's like, you know, uh, today we uh, we send the youth to school when they acquire knowledge. In antiquity, who was the one who had the most knowledge? The older guy, yes? The one who who was capable to survive fifty years, sixty years, so he had more experience than than the young one, and and authority naturally rested with him. Um. So, uh, in in Greece the situation was better because Greeks, recog- ancient Greeks, recognized <laughs> equality, and moreover gave 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 them. The right to decide. They voted, you know. They were citizens. So, uh, to to complete, when uh, Acton's liberalism uh, liberalism assumes active citizens who um, decide about their own affairs and uh, elect their. I mean. Elect magistrates decides about the uh, policies, and uh, mm, in a sense, the difference between uh, continental uh, continental uh, liberalism that appeals to abstract principle. You know, we are free and equal, and therefore we have to in, uh, introduce equality and freedom, regardless of the cost. Is that this one is is Actonian. One is different. It starts from roots and grows like a tree, like a language. It has a history. It has a tradition, and that it it requires respect for it. Um, continental liberalism, or I would I would call it doctrinaire liberalism, do not have respect for tradition. Tradition is bad. Tradition is a record of of, of evil um, history, we should reject it. Acton is different. I'm not sure if I'm I'm, I'm clear, but
0: uh... yeah that, that, that makes I, I, I mean you know it's clear to see that you know acton is is very much or you know very clearly influential than to you know Hay- Hayek as you mentioned Hayek and you know many of well, Hayek's well, ideas.
1: Hayek Hayek is well Hayek is, uh, lived like 50 60 years later so he was either congenial or was using uh, the the thought of of acton and he he used he uses acton extensively
0: the uh, you know in acton's lifetime there was obviously uh, you know like our time right now surges of, of nationalism uh, and and uh, calls for 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 nationalism uh, you know what did acton think of think of of nationalism particularly its relationship to liberalism
1: Acton uh, hated nationalism really with his guts. Now that he said um uh, um I'm not sure if I I mean I will quote it from my memory that it's it's a retrograde step in human history, it's worse than socialism. And socialism was <laughs> really bad for him, okay? So and nationalism was even even worse. Uh um but but uh, why 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 did he view nationalism this way well uh, let us remember that um, uh, acton is uh, a historian of liberty he is a lover of liberty okay? uh, and uh, one of the one of the themes of my book is to explain uh, how he understood li- uh, liberty uh, well much of what I what I have said so far explains that because um, for him liberalism uh, is uh, is an expression of uh, of liberty, but uh, but uh, so it requires uh, active citizens, for instance, uh, participation. Um, I would say he would not be very happy with our. Um, uh, rejection of politics or our uh, escape to privacy. Uh, that would um, I mean I I can I can envision your your future question why he's uh, he's actual today but but that that would be one of his warnings. That in a sense, you know, uh, one of the fundamental difference between uh, doctrinaire liberalism and organic Octonian liberalism is that that there is no this contradiction between individual and the community. Uh, classical liberalism has that, you know, we it views uh, uh, our our liberty is limited by the requirements of uh, uh, public life. We can be as free as uh, as we uh, as long as we encounter freedom of others. So even though we can recognize that others are equal to us, still this is someone who limits my liberty. Acton does do, do not see this 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 uh, 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 dilemma contradiction um, for him. Um, individual is an active citizen. Therefore, he's involved in resolving problems that belongs to his community. Besides he defines liberty as uh, the right to do what un- what one ought to do. Um, a classical liberal uh, definition is uh, uh, one is free to do what- whatever one uh, wants unless it it encroaches in- liberty of others. yes? Here is a difference. Uh, I am one I am I I am a member of the community and therefore uh, and I participate in resolving uh, daily uh, mundane problems so uh, there is there is no 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 contradiction uh acton reconciles the individual with the community. Uh, well his understanding of uh, of of liberty is very catholic because he says what an ought to <laughs> now today no one not many would agree with this definition um well that's that's prob- perhaps the the problem uh, on the one hand and on the other what makes uh, acton fascinating because he issues many warnings to us you know to posterity
0: why was uh, Acton critical of democracy? What were his issues on that front?
1: Well, um, that's a that's a tricky question because you can easily compile, uh, you know, a, do- a few dozen of his pronouncements when he's extremely anti-democratic. On the other hand, this was something which I remember, you know, at the beginning of my research, I couldn't understand. On the one hand, the guy hates democracy. On the other hand, he agrees with the basic principles of democratic regime. That is, there is no doubt for him that uh, uh, sovereignty lies with the people. Not some, some, he's not a monarchist, you know, uh, or uh, uh, divine rights, whatever. No, he says, Power comes from the people from the beginning. Stresses. There is no way. There is no way community exists for any other reason than for the common good. Why do we live together? Why do we create community for common good? Otherwise, we will just depart. You know, and of course we compromise. We we enter into many compromises. Security is one of the one of the main. Uh, but but still, it must be our common good. Therefore, um, we uh, we have the right to decide. We have to have a say. So, popular sovereignty. Then he accepts the rule of the majority. There, there is there is no uh, his pronouncement that that would question it. Um, uh, well. Um, so these are the, the 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 most fundamental principles of democracy. He of course is is aware that democracy needs uh, needs uh, limitations, needs restraints, needs to be. Uh, um limited. He hated unlimited democracy. That, I mean, most of his remark about democracy is about Athenian democracy, which was unlimited democracy. Um, but on the other hand, you know, when I when I I mean my my second book, the one that is published right now, uh, uh by by Cornell, I I realized that there is something else. I mean, on the one hand, I could claim I could and could enter into a discussion with with uh, those who deny my claim that uh, Acton on the one hand says democracy has the potential to be the best the best government if properly limited, constrained in all possible ways. On the other hand, unlike Aristotle, he says, it has a capacity to be the worst. Aristotle says that this is the this is the bad regime, but it's the most lenient among the bad. Starting from tyranny, oligarchy, democracy, democracy is the best among them. Acton Acton is a, uh, of different view. A democracy actually can lead us to a nightmare, and this is actually we are touching why I wrote. Uh, on Acton for our time. Uh, that is, uh, democracy today, today the, today, democracy is worshipped by most of our contemporaries thinking that, uh, well, along the uh, church's line who said that uh, well, democracy is a bad kind of regime but no one invented better. Acton says that no, it is, it is, it, it has a capacity to be, to be the worst so they would call totalitarian and uh, and the best the best uh, if properly uh, properly framed
0: you, you mentioned a little bit about acton's history of liberty looking at the the uh, mm-hmm. the ancient ancient Israel and um and the Greeks, uh, but but is there are there any other aspects of the history of liberty well, that you think are no,
1: important I, to point I, out? Um, I, I I don't want to spend too much time on it. I mean, any, anyone who is interested can go to the book and uh, and read it. Uh, this is, I mean, Acton has that liberty has a history starting from. I mean, he traces it to Israel, then shows it how it flourished in Greece. At the same time, showing its negative side. He also uh, shows how how it existed in the Roman Empire. The interesting thing is how he sees liberty in the Middle Ages. Because when we think about the Middle Ages, we usually do not think it as as a period in which people were free. But um, he pays attention to to one thing, that, well, uh, in the Middle Ages, uh, central authority was limited. Uh, restrained by very powerful forces, first the church and and great lords. This this was like a sort of medieval division of powers. Uh, and as long as they existed, they prevented uh, the rise of absolutism. Absolutism uh, was a result of well a reformation when when Luther undermined this is something which the the British, the, the English would hate or the Protestant would hate. But uh, he stresses that Protestants un, un, uh, subordinated the church to this to the state, and therefore opened the 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 pave to to uh, to absolutism. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutism. Anyway, uh, he stresses that medieval political thought is proto-liberal. There are there are when he quotes uh, Saint uh, Saint Augustine, Saint Thomas. Uh, he shows that. Uh, you know, uh, certain certain uh, ideas which were uh, pronounced by them uh, were rediscovered by liberal thought when, as he stresses, they were deprived of religious roots. Um, the point is, however, what is important is that liberty has a history; it continues throughout Western history. Acton claims that liberty is a providential idea. That is, that this is a, this is a, an idea. Well, I mean, today that sounds odd, but that this is an idea that is propped up by God, and therefore cannot be destroyed. And if if you try river, it really you try to destroy it, it has unexpected form. It has a form of corruption to prevent. To save the 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 remnants of freedom, you know, I I was shocked when I read it for the first time. And he says, corruption in the Roman in the Russian Empire was the last resort, last bastion of freedom. Or you know, uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with uh, European history, French history, uh, French absolutism. Uh, uh, let the uh, the um, judges to be to, to buy their offices. That was the idea that was conceived by Louis XIV. And, and uh, during the next 150 years, this created a sort of a, a group that has a l'esprit de corps that defended their rights. And in a sense, judges that buy their offices is a synonym of corruption. And yet they were the last Bastion of Freedom in Absolute Friends, Pre-Revolutionary Friends. So he says, freedom is a yearning of our heart. It comes from within. Human being cannot be deprived of it. And therefore, it would aim at it. It's a providential idea. That is why it has a history. I mean, we cannot assume that, well, people 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, didn't uh, dream about freedom. We all dream about freedom, as long as we're human beings.
0: After his death, how were his ideas received? Uh, what, what would you say was his, his legacy in the 20th century?
1: Well, um, Acton, Acton was um, fairly known, though of course let us remember that it's a Victorian England, and When I say fairly known, it means in influential circles, you know. So he was uh, known because he published, uh, by that time, he published many articles, essays, and so intellectuals, uh, well, intelligent readers read it, yes. He was not an unknown person. Although, um, well, in uh, 1895, he was appointed to be the Regius Professor of uh, of Modern History at Cambridge by uh, by uh, uh, the Queen of England, and yeah, they,
0: they finally let him in. Pardon me, they let him in yeah. after all. I
1: mean, and uh, this was uh, one of the most pre- prestigious job for a historian. He became then uh, mm-hmm. better known to the public, to the students, as. an uh, University circles. I mean, there are many memoirs that mention that you know his lectures were so fascinating that professor attended it. This is something which does not occur very often today. You know that a college well, you can go to a colleague to a friend, but uh, just to attend because it's it's a famous professor. But, and uh, so by the time uh, of his death, he was well known. Moreover, he also uh, was, uh, at that time, at, at, in, in his Cambridge years, he stressed that history is to be objective. So he was very modern in this respect. You know, he was, I mean, <clears throat> when, when you study the uh, methodology as a historian, uh, Ranke, the German historian is stressed as the one who stressed that one has to be objective, as much as possible. Acton was, uh, of course, uh, chronologically later, but he was the one who, who brought Ran- Rankean thinking to England. Uh, at the time when he became a university professor, history was considered to be well, a sort of, sort of uh, um, helpful uh, knowledge in diplomacy, in politics, but not uh Knowledge in itself, and he made it well. Proudly says science that that we know today history is not science, but but he tried to make history as objective as possible, saying that history of Europe, European history, let's say a German writes a French history should be the same as the as the Frenchman writing history, and he initiated. He was the During his Cambridge years, uh, the the syndics of the Cambridge University uh, endowed him with the task of writing uh, um, modern history, modern uh, European history, modern Western history, which was a 12 volume published after his death with his idea, you know, that history written not according to national lines, but... Uh, regardless of national lines, uh, it was a history of ideas, history of, of uh, trends, uh, changes, long-term processes that developed regardless of whether it's French, Germany uh, or, or England or other uh, Italy <clears throat> uh, It was to be a general history. So this was this is his immortal contribution to to history. There is no question about it. Now, so originally, after his death, he was recognized as a guru. I mean, he was admired, um, studied, and then 10 years later, uh, gradually, fascination of Lord Well, let us remember, he was a charismatic speaker. There are some memoirs of his students when when he, they describe how he looked, you know his the 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 timbre of his voice, his blue eyes, his beard, uh, his um, uh, uh, large forehead. I mean, he was so imposing figure when when he spoke. There was complete silence, and he spoke in such a manner that the students. Uh, felt that history is speaking to them, you know. So he that there is no question. He had charisma. Now ten years later, no one remembered that. And then that this this changed into uh, the opposite. <clears throat> and actually, mm, mm, uh, prof, uh, Professor Butterfly, a Cambridge professor, who when he was young he was still fascinating in in uh, Acton, and then he destroyed. I mean, he wrote some really, mm, well, um, oh, how to say it, you know, uh, one is a professor and wants to make a career, wants, wants to make a name for his for his own. Butterfly was that guy. I know that there are some his, uh, of his students who defend his good name. I don't appreciate uh, what he wrote he slandered uh, acton uh, and uh, turned his former love into hate and uh, uh, you know in his little booklet that i call it booklet because it has about 100 pages and uh, and had a very small format uh, i had the electronic version of that book and it has like 150 uh, times he mentions Acton and most and mostly in a very negative term, I branding him as a Whigish historian, which requires further explanation. I'm not sure if I have time to explain it, but in a sense, Whigish historians is interpreted defined in such a way that England is the is the uh, sort of master country that show us the way to develop. And whatever is good, whatever uh, whatever was in England should be followed by others. And whoever does, whatever does not, is is not progressive. Is not positive. Now, uh, butterfly really contributed to 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 the destruction of of Acton Smith. So we had to wait until World War Two, when suddenly there were predominantly German historians, German and Austrian historians, who, Hayek was one of them, who rediscovered him. And so, gosh, he wrote, he warned us about something which has happened during World War II. Why didn't we listen to him? Now, my book is a book for our generation, which says that, well, Acton's book is not just about World War II. He warns us as well. He has a message for us as well. Um, He warns us about permanent weaknesses of democracy, which, if it's combined with modern state and doctrinal liberalism, can lead again to something that is like a totalitarian nightmare.
0: Is that sort of what you would say is the most relevant idea of his today? That's this kind of this warning.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, uh, when I, I mean, uh, as I said, this is the third book I wrote uh, on him, and uh, and when I wrote it, I had, I mean, I read reread him again, and I thought, well, gosh, he's talking about our time. He's of course we are we are not at uh, uh, at the point uh, which he warned us against it. But if we do not um, if we do not uh, come to our senses, we may end up with the nightmare he's describing. Well, he doesn't use the term totalitarian because it did not exist in his time. But he has two kinds of totalitarianism in mind: one, which is the so- sort of Soviet one or, or Nazi one, that is a brutal, that uh, destroys, exterminates its enemies, or another one that has the, the the roots in utilitarianism that wants to make us happy, whether we like it or not, and knows better what is good for us. Um, this is the message uh, for us. Uh, I mean, I understand that Acton is not an easy, easy reading. I try to make him as easy as possible, but... I, I was, I'm afraid that uh, one without college education uh, will have really, really uh, difficulties in, in understanding, uh, especially his uh, history of freedom. So.
0: Well, Christopher, thank you so much for being guest on the New Books Network. The book is Lord Acton for our time. Thank you.
1: You're welcome.